Hey, Quinn. I'll tell you what I want. What I really, really want. <laughs> All right, you want to start again? No, what? Because you stopped it. You're like... And then that was too pause. much as Two, one. Oh, I was late. Time. Do it again. Three, two, one. Hey, Quinn. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I want a Soul Revival, Soul Revival, Soul Revival, Digital with Zika Zika. <laughs> Welcome, guys, to Saturday night at Soul Revival Digital. Everyone behind the camera is laughing at me because <laughs> they thought it was funny. But I am joined by two lovely guests on the panel. Stu Crawshaw, Senior Pastor. Hello. How are you? G'day, Joel. How are you going? I'm really good. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. And Quinn, how are you? Run us through your titles at church, Quinn, because you have quite a few of them. My titles? Yeah, you've got some titles. Um, I'm a volunteer pastor. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I think that's it, actually. Are you in, like, Berea and Kingpin? Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Cool bit of that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Stu, what's your title? <laughs> Senior pastor. Yeah, that's How have you been? Oh, I'm all right. How's been your preparing title? a sermon today. My yeah. title? Digital yeah. pastor. As you, you know, just yeah. me... That uh, intro was what I get paid for. It's good. Yeah, it's yeah. good. It's good that we get all, we get it. it, it the uh, titles they're very important, aren't they? Very, very yeah. important. Um, I think that. Uh, what else are we going to talk about <laughs> in this intro? Because we have not been prepared at all. I don't know. We could. You've been homeschooling. I've been homeschooling. Let's talk about that. Um, yeah, it's been all right. It's been pretty boring, as Jude says. Um, but yeah, no, it's been. But Jude's not at not school age. Jude's not doing any homeschooling. He's like he still finds it incredibly boring. So oh what does he find boring about it? I think because he doesn't get the attention from Kobe and Maeve, so or myself really. So he's just bored. Um, I was do- I'm doing homeschooling because I have to work from home, and but Karen, my wife, she works as a teacher, so she's out being an essential worker. Mm. And um, Everly des- described elephants as boring. She had to do adjectives, and the first thing oh. she came up with uh, was elephants are boring. Oh. Which I wouldn't describe elephants as boring. They are grey, though. That's oh. kind of a boring yeah. colour, so that might be part of it. Boring. Maybe that's what, she, what she's be. thinking of. She's like not colourful enough. Maeve had to describe what her um, feelings are towards maths. Yes. Um, oh, she had to describe maths as a food. And so the example provided was, I like pizza, and so because i don't know something 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 and she goes oh maths is broccoli because i hate it so <laughs> <laughs> so how did ross go with that her, her dad's a uh, quite a proficient at maths <laughs> i'm sure it cut him inside a little bit a yeah little bit, yeah but he's a bit of a broccoli too isn't he <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> just the hair you know you oh, don't yeah. agree? Yeah. yeah. No, it, yeah, it is a bit at the moment. All he right, needs to go to a hairdresser. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's your next dress up, Ross. Make sure you're ready to go. Anyway, we are going to now chat to Kim, who's going to do the prayers for us. Uh, we're now going to hear uh, Kim pray for us, but first we'll have a little chat. How are you going, Kim? Hey, Quinn. Yeah, I'm doing okay. That's Surviving. Good. That's good. <laughs> How's life in lockdown? Uh, it's not that different to how it normally is really for me, being at home with the little ones. So yeah, yeah, it's a shame not being able to get out as much, but I'm really glad I've got lots of company at home. Very good. You've been keeping your steps up? Oh yeah, been been doing my best around the house. 
Very good. Kobe and I have been doing laps of the of the house and outside to anyway. He's smash, yep. he's smashing me with the steps. Smashing the steps. How's how's Adri going? Yeah, she's okay. She is occasionally sleeping pretty all right at the moment. She's yeah, being a little bit interesting, but she's okay. Very good. She's very not good. too bad. She's cute, so it's fine. And is Matt heading into work or is he um, home? No, no, he's still at home. Like he's he's been working at home um, virtually since the last lockdown. Cool. He's rarely gone into the office. So he's still just doing that because he normally works in the city. So, yeah, so it's nice having him around too. Cool. Um, well, it was lovely to chat to you. Um, I'm going to hand it over to you so you can pray for us. Great. Let's Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we can come to you in prayer despite um, being physically apart this weekend. Um, We pray for those who are impacted by the emerging COVID situation. We pray for those in our community and around the world who are dealing with the impact of COVID. Father, please bring an end to the cycles of infection that continue to spread in our state and around the world. Father, uh, we bring before you those who are sick or struggling. We pray that your peace would be on those struggling and that they would know your loving presence be given patience that they need to get through this time. And we continue to pray for Jake and Trista Sell. We praise you, Father, that they were able to go home from hospital this week. And we pray that you might continue to sustain Jake and Trista and their baby, um, that the pregnancy would last a few more weeks and for a safe delivery. Um, We bring before you our friends in Indigenous communities who are impacted by COVID. We pray for Isaac and Eileen Gordon, George and Carmel Ferguson, Michael Duckett and Gum Naden. We pray for wisdom and courage for these leaders and we ask, Lord, that you would intervene and prevent the Delta variant from spreading in these communities. Finally, Father, we pray for wisdom and clarity after our latest South Village proposal has been declined by Council. We thank you, Father, for all those who have worked on the proposals to run services in the South Village Community Hub and that they would not be too disappointed about our submission being declined. We pray for the councils. They continue to deliberate the use of the space. We thank you that they have let us know that if they re-advertise the space again, they will contact us, which is great news. We pray that if the council re-advertises the hub, that we may be able to put in a submission that meets the criteria. Above all, Father, we pray that we will trust you. You go before us and you continue to be generous to us. Thank you, Father. Lord, we bring all these things to you, knowing that you are king and are in control of all things. And we thank you for Jesus, that by believing in him, we have life in his name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Kim. No worries. I'll see you later. Bye.
to Lionel's Cleaning YouTube. Yay! Like, subscribe, notifications, all those things. Do it. Lots of cleaning, lots of cleaning. Look what we've got. We've got yellow things. We've got purple things. We've got 99% germs gone. Get them all. They're all good. But this one's better. More germs gone. Yay! What you doing, Lionel? Like, subscribe. I'm doing YouTube. I'm good. What what are you what are you doing on YouTube? I'm telling people to buy this one. Why? Because it says it kills ninety nine percent germs. So it's better than the other ones. It's the best, like me. You think you're the best? Oh, of course I am. You don't think anyone's better? Well, you are. <laughs> oh, thanks, Lionel. <laughs> but did you know that there is someone else who is way better than anyone? Ever. Even you? Yeah. What? Is it Quinn? No, it's not Quinn, but Quinn's pretty great. Hi, Quinn. Hi. Lionel. It's, it's Jesus. Jesus is better than anything and anyone in this whole entire world. Even better at cleaning? He is so good at cleaning, he wiped away our sins. What? That's pretty good. Pretty good. Jesus is better than anyone, and that's what we're going to learn about in Hebrews, which we're about to start doing today. And he is better than Moses, he's better than Abraham, he's better than anyone you can think of who, is, who we think is really great. He's better than that. Even my cousin Lionel Messi? Even your cousin Lionel Messi. He is better than anyone. He just won a trophy, though. Yeah, but Quinn, who do you think's better? Oh, Lionel Messi's pretty good, but I think... Jesus is better. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And we're going to learn all about that in the coming weeks. I can't wait. Let's do it now. Like, subscribe. Is that what you're going to do? <laughs> and <laughs> click that notification bell. Yeah. So now it's time for the Bible reading, and we'll be reading from Hebrews and starting with chapter 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For which of the angels... Did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father? Or again, I will be his father, and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. 
A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Thanks very much to Jeff for doing that Bible reading. Uh, we are now moving into a series of Hebrews because we've just done Jonah. We had a gap week and now we are moving into Jonah. And Stuart, you are going to bring us... <laughs> Hebrews? Did, what did I say? You said Jonah. Oh, we were doing Jonah. We had a gap week and now we're going to Hebrews. That's right, yeah. Uh, can you tell us uh, what we can look forward to in Hebrews, please? Yeah, we, we've, t- we've titled the whole series Jesus is Better and I think that's a terrific summary of the book of Hebrews. So time and time again, it's just like this one big argument that the writer of Hebrews puts down that just Jesus is the best. He is the best. And that just gives us so much comfort and confidence. And the big idea is, so what are we going to do with that? Are we going to trust in him and follow him? Or are we going to be, um, are we going to give up on, on his leadership if, if times get hard? Mm. Quinn, can I ask you a question? Is Jesus better? Yes. (laughs) Can you uh, tell us an example in your life that you can think of? I know I'm putting you on the spot where you were able to say to show that Jesus is better. Oh, gosh, that is putting me on the spot. Sorry. Um, I think that uh, particularly when I was a younger person, um, I changed uh, friendship groups and in my early teenage years and um, that was a decision I made because I was a follower, I am a follower of Jesus. So, um, yeah. I, that That's cool. Well done for me putting for me putting you on the spot. Good, <laughs> good answer. That was great. Um, Stu, do you have a, a time of that as well? I feel like you've even had a few times that you've told us about that as when you're a younger person. Yeah, yeah. Actually, while you were talking about that, I was remembering when I was in year eight, and I started to worry that I was too into handball and not enough into Jesus. And I remember lying in bed at night after I'd said my prayers because I used to say my prayers before I'd go to sleep, and I was asking myself the question: I think I like handball more than I like Jesus. So I made this decision the next morning over breakfast. I told my parents, I said, "Well, today I'm actually going to fast from handball just just to see if I actually." trust Jesus more than handball and, and my mum and dad thought that was pretty funny and my brother and um, but anyway I still I, every day I used to go to uh, school and I'd go to get the best square so I'd get there early so I rocked up early as usual but this time I didn't go to try and get the best square I just sat there and uh, it was pretty humorous thinking about it because there I was for I think I had a fast for a week so every recess and lunch for a whole week I decided I was going to try and not play handball and it was really hard the first day and it was hard the second day but the third day the fourth day 
I was starting to go, I think I've got this. And then on Friday, I thought, yeah, Jesus is better than handball. And then years later, I look back on that and I thought, I don't think it was that necessary to fast from handball. But what, <laughs> what was really helpful was as I started out in high school, it was a random thing to think about, but it actually did get my head into the space of I don't want anything else to to be more important to me than Jesus. And I don't think I always did that well, but it was, yeah, I think that's an example for me. Did, um, did your handball skills suffer? From having a week oh, off? I think it probably did, yeah. Well, probably did. I wasn't that great at the beginning, though, to be <laughs> honest. Were you in the that's dance what, square a lot? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say dance middle of the road. Like, I used okay. to I used to get up to to King, uh, to King Queen a lot, but, and yeah, then I I wasn't real good at um, power shots. So I oh, just slamming it. Yeah, dudes that would just take me out, and then yeah. I was gone. Right. Yeah. Well, you stayed in Queen, but you're going to tell us about the real King now. Oh, I like that segue. Yeah, that's terrific. Jesus is better. <laughs> Jesus is the real king. He's yeah. the real king. All right, take it away. Man. Okay, Thank well, you. with that, let's look at why Jesus is better. And uh, as Joel correctly said, Jesus is the king of the universe and he is the best. Uh, and um, as we're going to come to the book of he- Hebrews, what we're going to see is the writer of the Hebrews is going to give us an exhortation or an encouragement. And what that means is he's going to spur us on. He wants us to be really dedicated to the idea that Jesus is the best. And he's trying to encourage us as Christians that if we put Jesus first, that's going to help us to be motivated to have faithful endurance. And particularly for the uh, readers of Hebrews, that was really important because we get a sense from reading Hebrews that they were discouraged by the persecution that they were under. And so this is um, a really big theme of the book. Before I jump into Hebrews, we're going to look at the first uh, four verses today. And and, uh, before we do that, I'd love to just share a story with you of something exciting that happened this week. Uh, On Monday... There was a rare find. Uh, well, actually, on Monday they announced a rare find from the um, uh, the Antiquities Authority in Israel. The Antiquities, or, I've got to say that right. The Antiquities Authorities in Israel announced that they had found a three thousand one hundred year old shard of pottery, and in that three thousand one hundred year old shard of pottery, there was an inscription on it that got them really excited, and they are announcing this uh, on Monday. And the, the inscription on the pot shard, and it was just like the top of like a, 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 a pot, I don't know, some kind of pot. But the pot shard had written on it, Jerob Baal, Jerob Baal. Now, what was so awesome was not only was this a really old piece of pottery that dates back to about 1100 BC, but that is the time of the judges as recorded in the Old Testament. So... What's really interesting is they've found this shard of pottery that is pointing us back to the fact that at the time of the judges in Israel, before there was even any kings in Israel, the leaders of Israel were called judges, and this pot shard comes from that time. But what's even more remarkable is the name on the pot shard, Jerob, I'm having trouble pronouncing this, Jerob Baal is actually another name for Gideon. So what's really cool is that this pot chart has Gideon written on it. Now, if you know the story of Gideon, he's one of the greatest leaders of Israel. He was a mighty judge and he helped Israel to stop being dragged off to idolatry and the worship of the gods around them. And he also defeated the Midianites for the people of Israel. So he's lauded as one of the great leaders of Israel. And his name, Gideon, can be translated to be Jerob Baal. Now, the other thing that's really interesting in the article that I'm reading from, which is from uh, an archaeology, uh, syndicated archaeology um, 
uh, post is that Gideon, or his full name, Gideon Besh, sorry, Gideon Ben Yoash, is tr- can also be translated Jeroboam. So what they're excited about is that the potsherd confirms that 1,100 years ago, at the time of the judges, the name of Gideon was being used by people, and they were putting it on their pottery. And what's really cool about this uh, little article that I read is one of the people who was de- uh, describing the potsherd and investigating it and stuff said, people used to put their name on pots. And so someone called Gideon has put his name on a pot at the time that Gideon, the greatest judge of Israel, was around. And he muses and he says, imagine if this is actually Gideon's um, pottery. Now, it might not be. It might be from someone else whose name is Gideon. But it does tell us that when the Bible says there is a leader of Israel called Gideon, there were people at that time, we have archaeological evidence of it, that there were people at that time that used that name. So it's very exciting. Now, what has that got to do with Hebrews? Well, the reason I bring this story up today as we begin the sermon series on Hebrews is one of the big themes in the letter is that Jesus is better as we've already said uh, today on the podcast, Jesus is better than all the leaders of Israel that have gone before, including the great Gideon. The writer of Hebrews is saying that Jesus is better even than Gideon. So yes, Jesus is better than handball. Jesus is better than Gideon. He's also better than anything else that we could follow. There is nothing else that satisfies us or can actually save us as Jesus can save us. So this is the big theme of the letter. And... um, what I want to read to you is actually um, just a little, in way of introduction, just to be thinking about the content of Hebrews. Uh, this is actually coming from the writer uh, himself, where he writes in chapter 13, verse 22 Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for in fact, I have written to you quite briefly. I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation. So, in other words, he's encouraging the readers and he's encouraging us to listen but not only to listen, to put it into practice and to actually think about making the Lord Jesus our king, our high priest, the one who is greater than all else, the one that we follow in our life. Now, let's, let's have a think about the letter a little bit more before we look at the first few verses. The author of Hebrews is not actually known. We don't know exactly who the author is, but we do know that it would have been dated around, say, 50 AD to 90 AD. And the reason we think it's around those dates is the writer doesn't actually mention the fall of Jerusalem. So because the writer doesn't mention the fall of Jerusalem, many scholars have argued that maybe that hadn't happened yet. So that actually is a really helpful way to help us date it. And there are other reasons too. So the the letter is pretty much second generation after Jesus. And so it's uh, a really relevant uh, work. The recipients of the letter are also not specifically unknown. It's a non-specific group of people who are obviously Jewish Christians because they know the Old Testament really well and the writer is using the Old Testament in this letter to explain to them why Jesus is better. And so we don't know exactly where they are, but we read in Hebrews 13, 24 this, Greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greeting. So there are some that say maybe it's Rome. It could be that the uh, Jewish Christians in Rome are receiving this letter, but it's it's relevant to all Christians. Now, the occasion of this letter is that there is, as I said before, these Christians are discouraged, and they're discouraged because of great suffering. And we read about that in the letter in chapter 10, verses 35 to 39. So do not throw away your confidence, 
it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. See, what the writer here is saying is, yes, you're being discouraged. Yes, you're suffering. But in your suffering and discouragement, don't lose sight of the fact that Jesus is better so that you may actually receive what is promised. In verse 37, he goes on to say, For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And by my righteous one will live by faith, and I will take no pleasure in the one who shirks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. So the idea is that if you start believing in Jesus, don't stop. Because wouldn't that be just a sad thing that if you start following the Lord Jesus Christ but give up because of a particular suffering in your life, the writer is warning the readers to not miss out on the ultimate prize at the end after we suffer, as he says here, for just a little while. See, the emphasis that the writer has is that God has spoken finally through his son, Lord Jesus Christ. And to abandon the Lord Jesus Christ is to abandon God altogether. See, Jesus is superior to everything because he is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament revelation. He's bigger than any of the characters in the Old Testament. The angels in uh, the Old Testament, even people like Gideon and Moses and Joshua, he's superior to the whole priestly system that Aaron set up. God's people can have full confidence in God's son, Jesus, because he is our perfect high priest. And he's our perfect king and he gives us the only access we have to God. Jesus himself says in John 14, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one goes to the Father but by me. That single-minded clarity is what the writer of the Hebrews has. And he's worried that the people who are reading the letter have lost that clarity. Now, before we judge them too much for that, let's understand that it would have been really difficult to live as a Christian at the time of writing. There was great persecution that was being wrought on the Christian church by the Romans. And also, not only that, but psychologically, it would have been really difficult for for Jewish believers who had faith, who'd been waiting for the Messiah to come for so long and been so frustrated as they waited, to now have the Messiah, Jesus, revealed to them, knowing that he has saved them from sin. But their temporal experience hasn't changed. It's actually got worse, and it's really difficult. And I think it's a great encouragement to us, the book of Hebrews, when we go through things that we feel like we can't cope with, when we go through things that are even just mildly discouraging, even if we go through times of our life where we just get bored of continuing to be a Christian, Hebrews is going to speak to all of us because it's going to help us to be spurred on to continue and not to give up. So let's have a look at chapter 1, verse 1. First of all, the, pro- the, the uh, writer here is really keen to make sure that we see in what ways Jesus is superior. How is he better than any, anything else or anyone else? In uh, chapter 1, verse 1, he begins off by saying, In the past, God spoke through our ancestors, through the prophets, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. Now, that first phrase, in the past, what is, what is being spoken of there? In the, in the past God spoke. Well, primarily, I think the writer to the Hebrews is pointing us back to the Old Testament and saying, in the past, in the Old Testament, God speaks to people, but he has done it through the prophets to our ancestors. Now, who are the ancestors and who are the prophets? Well, all of 
Hebrews is going to unpack the fact that the ancestors that we have are ancestors of faith. So yes, I have ancestors from the British Isles. That's where my ancestors come from. But I also have spiritual ancestors that come from the people of God. So Abraham is in a very real way the ancestors, the ancestor of the uh, people of Israel. But also those of us who have become Christians are actually grafted into the people of Israel. And we're actually able to now recognize the fact that our spiritual ancestors are the people of faith in the Old Testament. So here the writer of Hebrews is saying that God spoke to our ancestors, but he did it in a different way to how he speaks to those of us who are Christians today. He speaks through the prophets. Now, how does God speak through the prophets and are there any other ways that he speaks? Well, interestingly, the writer says he speaks through the prophets, people like Elijah, um, Isaiah, which we've just done. But also here in the verse one, he says, but not only through the prophets with clear words that way, but at many times and in various ways. And I thought it might be fun just to have a look at some of the ways that God has spoken in the past. Uh, God spoke, yes, through prophetic speech, as we were saying, through people like Isaiah. But there's another prophet, Hosea, who was a prophet, who talks about this in Hosea chapter 12, verse 10. He actually says, I spoke to the prophets, gave them many visions and told them parables through them. So here Hosea is actually crediting God with his speech. And here in chapter 1 of Hebrews, the writer is quoting from that in Hosea. So that's helpful. But it's not only through that prophetic speech, as I said. God also gives visions. If we look at Genesis chapter 46, verse 2, we can see this where Jacob gets a vision. Uh, Jacob in uh, 46, verse 2, And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here am I, he replied. So God is speaking through prophets, but he's also speaking through visions. But that's not where it ends. He also speaks through human-mediated speech. In other words, he speaks through people. Uh, In Exodus 33, verse 11, with Moses, we get an example of that. In Exodus 33, verse 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp But his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So in other words, God is speaking directly to Moses face to face in this example. And Moses presumably is having a conversation with God. And then Moses takes that message and he talks to Joshua about it because he was not there for that. I find that really interesting. Um, We also have not only God speaking like that, but we have uh, what we call a theophany. Now, theophany is a visible appearance of God. So not only does God speak through prophets and through visions and through speaking with people directly in the Old Testament, he also appears to them. And in Exodus chapter 19, we get an example of that. And in that appearance, Moses meets God at the burning bush. And as Moses is talking to God at the burning bush, uh, he says, can I see you? And God says, you can just see the edge of my cloak because if you saw my glory, it would surely kill you. So then Moses sees the cloak of God. So that's an interesting example of how God speaks too. But I think my favourite that I want to share this morning, or tonight rather, is that God speaks in a small, still voice. God speaks in a small, still voice. And there's a good example of what I'm talking about in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 to 12. Let me read that out to you. 
the Lord said, he's talking to Elijah, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Isn't that a tremendous example of God's power, his ability to even manipulate nature to show Elijah that he is present? But when he chooses to speak to Elijah, he doesn't shout at him. He speaks to him in a gentle whisper. And I think that is so profound because we would expect that the king of the universe would always make himself known in dramatic fashion, in really obvious ways. But he is God and he chooses to reveal himself as he chooses to reveal himself. And what's interesting is Elijah was witnessing all this amazing stuff in front of him, but he had to be ready to listen to God, how God was going to speak to him. So often we want God to tell us things in the way we want. When I pray, I'll say, God, if you could only just show me what to do in this situation, should I take this job or should I take this job? Give me a sign, show me. Now, God does all sorts of different ways of communicating to people, but are we listening for the still small voice now obviously in hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 the writer is saying god doesn't speak all the time in the same way and in fact for him to speak dramatically and clearly for our generation he has chosen to speak through his son despite his awesome power at being able to speak in all these different ways he has chosen how he wants to speak to us and so many people today say oh if god could just turn up in the room today I would believe in him. He did that with Moses. Why can't he do that with me and show himself to me? But you see, the thing is, it's not about how we think God should speak to us. It's about how God wants to speak to us. And the writer of the Hebrews is asking us to be humble and he's exhorting us to listen to God as he speaks to us. And he's saying here in the last days, verse 2, that he is speaking through his son. We should be just as ready as Elijah was to hear that small, still voice, that whisper about the story of Jesus Christ so that we might not miss out on the way to God that Jesus talks about. Because in all the hurly-burly of today with all the TV shows and the podcasts and all the drama and all the movies and the radio, there's just so much information in our society. The internet is full of distraction. How do we stop and listen to God as he wants to speak to us? That is what Hebrews is asking us to do. Well, yes, he goes on and says that he spoke to uh, the ancestors and the prophets through the prophets and as i said before in verse 2 he says in the last days he speaks through his son what does it mean by the last days well basically what the writer is saying is that jesus is so amazing and so spectacular and so better that he's not just better than a line of different leaders or kings or priests or whatever he has started a new era of history and that's why at Soul Revival we like to say Jesus changes everything because that's in line with Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. We live in the last days. The, last, the first days were the days before Jesus and the last days are the days after Jesus. And this new age dawned because of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. 
Let me read to you from verse 3 as we move on. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, which is a direct reference to the cross and Jesus dying on the cross, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. That's how much better he is. Everyone else who was executed on a cross went to the grave and, and that was it. That was the end of their story. But Jesus died on the cross and then was exalted when he rose from the dead three days later. And after he had appeared to many, he went to be with his father in heaven and is now seated triumphant over sin and death and the only one who is able to give us the way to God. And that's what Jesus talked about in John 14. These are the last days. Here Jesus is called the Son of God. No one else in the Old Testament was called the Son of God. In chapter 4, verse 14, this is what we read in Hebrews. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Now, it's a funny little story of me saying I'm worried about handball taking over my affections, that I, I thought about handball more than I thought about God. I loved handball more than I loved God, maybe. Maybe I felt more excited playing handball than I did going to church. I don't remember. But here in um, my heart, there was this concern that I didn't want to lay aside the faith that I had because what if I start out as a Christian but I don't finish as a Christian I was literally worried in year eight that handball might actually distract me from following the one and true God and so I was willing to sit in the playground with my recess and my lunch and not play handball just for a week so that I could actually help myself to be focused on what is important and even though that's a fun little example fasting is good for us fasting and stopping doing some things Maybe not eating lunch one day so that you can pray instead of eat lunch. Maybe fasting from watching TV for a week to actually help yourself to go, I've got to remember what is important. I need to keep focused. And that's what the writer of the Hebrews is talking about here because Jesus is superior to anything else that might give us instant gratification, but he is the son of God himself. The heavenly father has sent him and the Holy Spirit convicts us that this is true. His credentials vastly supersede any other leader that could possibly be. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 8 to 9, we read this, that everything will be under his feet. Everything. In other words, Jesus is superior and rules over everything else. Also here in the passage in uh, verse 2 we see that Jesus is called the heir of all things now what this means is that everything belong that belongs to God belongs to Jesus Jesus his heavenly father has given him this great inheritance now um, chapter 1 verse 2 here is directly related to Psalm 2 verse 7 now if we're not getting too confused by um, having these references from the Old Testament it's good to try and uh, do because so much of this letter is going to be doing that right through the letter because what the writer's trying to show is these things that Jesus has fulfilled are promised in the Old Testament time and time again. When people got frustrated with their leaders for letting them down, there's always this promise, don't worry, one is coming, one is coming. And here is what uh, the psalmist in chapter 2 verse 7 says, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son, today I have become your father. That is in the Old Testament. The Old Testament predicts that God will call Jesus his son. 
If that's not enough, the writer goes further and says Jesus is superior because not only is he the son of God, he is actually also through whom everything was made. The son is described as the divine agent of creation. And we know, don't we, from the Gospel of John that John picks up this thing in this theme. In the beginning was the Word of God, and the Word was God, and He was with God. He was with God in the beginning. We read in Genesis chapter 1 that the Spirit of God hovered over the surface, and God spoke, and everything came into being. So Jesus here is being described as being intimately involved in that creation uh, event with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. There was God the Son, Jesus, who was there, the Creator. And what's also really important here is that word that God speak, speaks here in uh, chapter 1, verse 1. God speaks is going to be a theme in Hebrews. We're going to see time and time again that God's creative power is so effortless that he can speak and things come from nothing and become something. Now, this is meant to delight us. And that's where chapter 1, verse 3 picks up. Let's have a read of verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Again, we see that not only is, is God powerful by speaking and things come into creation, but here in verse 3, we see that his powerful word sustains us too. So the word spoken through Jesus, the way God is speaking to us today, is going to sustain us and give us an ability to overcome difficulties because he will sustain us. Remember, Jesus said, I don't leave you as orphans. I'm going to leave you the counselor, the Holy Spirit, to be with you. And he's also given us the Holy Spirit-inspired words, like from the writer of Hebrews, to encourage and exhort us so that we might have his powerful word alive and active in our hearts so that we might not lose focus. And I find that incredible. Also there in verse 3, we see that Jesus is described there with this beautiful phrase, which I think is my favorite in the passage today. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Jesus is fully man and fully God, and he is radiant. He is the most beautiful, radiant Lord Jesus. In fact, the word radiance in the Greek means reflection and radiance. So the radiance that Jesus has, the beauty he has, comes from the Father. He reflects the beauty of the Father perfectly. So when we read the teaching of Jesus, when he stands up and he teaches, and we hear that the response from the crowds is, who is this man? No one's ever spoken like this with this authority. It's because he is God himself. And the beautiful teaching of Jesus that we read, for example, on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, where he encourages us and exhorts us to a new spiritual life. He encourages us to rely on him and be dependent on him rather than on ourselves, so that if we trust in him, we will live a more wonderful life. Jesus himself said, I have come to give you life and life to the full. But because of the difficulty that the people were going through, they needed to understand the beauty of Jesus and the glory of Jesus, even if they didn't see it in their temporal circumstance at the time. And the encouragement for us today, it couldn't be a more profound word for us in this COVID emergency where we are in Sydney at least more worried about the Delta variant than we've been worried before. Well, I know I am anyway, and many people might be as well. This terrible disease that's caused so much suffering is continuing on. 
We thought the vaccine had come. We thought we were actually going to be able to emerge from it, but it just keeps coming. We need to be reminded of Jesus in the midst of this. We need to be reminded of our future, that our sure and future hope is not going to be a world that is constantly keeping us apart in isolation from one another. In fact, if we trust in Jesus, we will enjoy the radiance of Jesus together forever. So the idea of Hebrews is don't lose focus on that future so that you may live a good life now. Don't lose focus on the fact that everything will be made right in Christ when we get to heaven so that we may do everything we can to help people now. You see, there's a connection between the glory and the light of God and Jesus. In Jesus, we see the glory and the light of God. And we get that idea from Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. The idea is that that impacts us now. The reality of the light that's rising on us means that we should actually live in that light and we should actually be reflecting that in our own small ways too. If we are followers of Jesus, how can we shine the light of Jesus in the dark world we live in? Jesus himself exhorted us to do that. He said, a light put under a table isn't very useful in the Sermon on the Mount, but he says, if you put a light on a lampstand, then it shines light for everyone. How can we as Christians be shining the light day to day in our everyday Can we be thinking of texting people to encourage them? Maybe even texting a piece of scripture from Hebrews to encourage a Christian friend we think might actually be withered under the suffering that they're experiencing. Can we actually be uh, trying prayerfully to be easier people to live with in our households? Can we try really hard not to just argue and fight when we feel anxious, not to lose our temper with people that are in our household, but seek to shine the light of Jesus because we know that this will end. And Jesus' powerful word gives us all we need to be able to persevere through this time and shine the light of Jesus in this time so that the glory of God might be enjoyed by others in 1 John chapter 5 sorry 1 John chapter 1 verses 5 to 7 we read this this is the message that we have heard from him and declared to you god is light and in him there is no darkness at all we follow the god of light and we see that light reflected in the glory of jesus jesus is the divine presence on earth he is god with us and that is how god chose to speak to us through his son who came and lived a perfect life who taught us what it was to understand God. And then he taught us how to love. He laid his life down on the cross so that we could have all our wrongdoing forgiven and then we could be given a new start and a new chance. Despite the fact that we all sin and rebel against God, Jesus died on the cross to pay what we deserve. If we turn to him in faith and trust in him, we are forgiven. We have the grace of God poured out in us in abundance. And because Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, we rise with him if we put our faith in him. And we have the hope of eternal life that even though we die, we will rise from the dead. So how does that affect the way we live today? That is the message of Hebrews. How do we persevere through this life as we await that wonderful future that is coming? Remember this. Jesus here in the passage is the representation of God we read there in verse 3 he is the representation the word representation in the greek 
comes from the word character. So the character of Jesus is the character of God. His image bearer is Jesus. Jesus is the perfect human who actually fully lived for God without sin, but he's also perfectly God at the same time. And it reminds me of the fact that when we were first created, we were made in the image of God. It was our sin that corrupted us, but we are still precious in the sight of God. But now when we put our faith in Jesus, we are forgiven and we can actually have a new character. The Holy Spirit lives in our heart so that we might not live for ourselves anymore, but we can live for God. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of over all creation. This is who we follow, and this is how God has spoken to us. I like to imagine Elijah standing on that hill with that big storm happening with rocks going everywhere and everything's just like booming and then all of a sudden there's this small still voice think of jesus he has come so quietly so unassumingly into the story of the human race he was born in a backwater even within the country that he lived in which was a backwater and yet he came and he spoke and he acted and he loved and then he was crucified but rather than being a victim of that crucifixion he was actually fulfilling everything that the old testament had taught he came as a savior he came and he died and that is the power of the word because he rose from the dead three days later for the purification of our sins let's read After he had provided purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. So the writer here says, the greatest spiritual beings that I can think of other than God himself are the angels. But no angel has died on a cross for the the whole of the human race and has actually purified us. Just like the most amazing angelic being other than God can't purify us. Nothing else in this world can purify us. We can live good lives and we can do all sorts of things that that help us to create a better society, but the best thing we can do is trust in the Lord's work and work in the power of that work. If I am saved and purified, I can live a new life and I can say no to sin and I can say yes to helping others and serving others. I love it just to conclude that God is sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven right now. See that there in verse 3? In majesty in heaven. He's in control. So next time you do feel like things are out of control, next time you are tempted to look for some certainty somewhere other than Christ, Remember that there are a lot of people and a lot of things that can help us in this world, but ultimately there is only one who can help us all the way through and out the other side, and that is Jesus Christ himself, one way. One way indeed. Thank you, Stewie. Um, That's okay. (laughs) um, It was interesting how you brought up the the pottery, the the long-lost property, and how... use that to talk about how we have both physical ancestors of obviously our family line but also Mm. spiritual ancestors Mm. 
and that using that to show that God communicates to us through many, many, many different ways. Mm. <coughs> I just wanted to ask you the question that God's communicating to us all the time. How do we make sure that we are listening to him? Yeah, so I think I think the big point again in Hebrews chapter 1 is that God has spoken through many ways because he is God and he can speak however he wants. I mean, one of the things I didn't mention is there is a time where he speaks through a donkey. So, I mean, if he can speak through a donkey, he can speak through anything. I, th- I think the uh, the thing about the pottery is it just reminds... I, I thought it was quite interesting that on a, a week where we're thinking about how Jesus is superior to everyone in the Old Testament, um, Gideon, the great leader of Israel, there's, a, there's some pottery that... that proves at least that there was people at his time that were called Gideon. That's that's amazing in itself, I think. But even as great as Gideon was, Jesus is greater. And so I think the the whole idea of Hebrews is God can speak however he wants. He's chosen to speak in the past through the prophets and in these different ways. But today he has chosen to speak through his son. So the message of God is to us to take what Jesus did on the cross in dying and rising from the dead very seriously because that's his message to us through Jesus. And so he's spoken through his son. And the other good thing about that is that um, that's, that, that word is, is a once and for all. Now, obviously, uh, we, we who are Christians have the Holy Spirit and we can still encourage one another and we can still speak to one another. But that, that uh, revelation of God has, has actually been, the Jesus is the final word of the revelation of God. And I think that's a really helpful point here. And, and you look at history and you can see how uh, other religious leaders tried to add to Jesus. You know, there's all different religions that have said, oh no, Jesus was, was great, but you also need this or you also need this. I think the message of Hebrews is going to be, don't add to or take away from Jesus. He is the final word from God. Yeah. I thought I'd maybe add to that um, from something something that you said in the talk was um, we have to be careful not being distracted from Jesus. Mm. Um, Quinn, I was wondering if I could get your perspective on this. What um, what do you think people need to be aware of that could distract us from Jesus and stop us listening to God communicating to us through him? Um, I was thinking, like as she was talking, that this is quite a timely word from Hebrews um, because... It's quite like being at home all the time. It's I find it quite monotonous doing the same thing day in day out, and um, so often um, I'll look to other things to fill that, to you know, fill the time, make it more interesting. So like Netflix or chocolate or <laughs> you know, and both of which are good things. Both yeah. of which are great things, <laughs> but they're not going to ultimately sustain me. Yeah, they're so not going to ultimately satisfy. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, just being reminded to either f- maybe fast, maybe turn the TV off, maybe don't buy the chocolate and spend some time in God's Word. I found something in, in relation to coronavirus is not reading the news that much. We're always oh, trying to find out how many cases yeah. have been, how, how are we going to react to that? And I've found that I'm just not even trying to read that anymore. No. You probably obviously need to see what the restrictions are to make mm-hmm. sure you don't break them. But, um, yeah, that's the... The cool thing, though, I thought was saying that um, we're talking about Jesus was is sustaining us and he's the radiance of God's glory. Mm. And that's something to always remind ourselves of, I think. But also that allows us to shine the light of Jesus. Something we were talking about on the Chip Lunch podcast a couple of times is being peacemakers. Mm. And we're reminded of what it says in James 3 about being a peacemaker. Um, and I was kind of thinking... Um, Stu, if you wouldn't mind telling us a couple of ways that we can do that. Um, you talked about 
maybe not getting as anxious or not attacking people because we're out of our anxiety. Is there any other thing that you can tell us about? Yeah, thanks, Joel. I think I think it's kind of my first impression is it's kind of related to what we did a couple of weeks ago with Jonah. We looked at anger and we looked at how Jonah was really angry at God because he forgave uh, the people of Nineveh, and he was angry at this and angry at that. And I think that the teaching that we talked about there was that we yeah, it's good to be angry at things that are wrong, but human beings need to be really careful about being angry because we're not like God. God is very patient he's slow to anger and abiding in love he is uh he gets angry at sin but when he gets angry at sin he doesn't sin himself so i think i think one one of the hardest things in lockdown particularly i'm thinking of a lot of our uh our, our family units where we can we can be rightly upset and frustrated if someone doesn't do the dishes or doesn't do their share of work or is hogging the TV or whatever it might be. It's okay to say, hey, that's not right. And as we said in the teaching, actually, if you actually are in a situation where the relationship is bad, really bad and and abusive, you should look for help and get out of that. Uh, But when we're actually in a situation, in, in a healthy relationship where we're just grumpy and cranky and we're tempted to you know, be cranky at uh, our brother or sister because they took more chocolate than than I had or, hey, I had some chocolate in the cupboard that I was leaving for tonight and someone's eating it. Who's eating it? It's really easy, isn't it, to just lose your temper over little things like that. And I think for me this is just a reminder that if if there's something like chocolate in the cupboard that someone's taken, I, I stop and I pause and I don't always do this well, but I try and go, okay, hey, guys, that was my chocolate. Who nicked it? You know, even the tone of voice we can use at home can be spicy, and it's not spicy. It can be <laughs> spiced with love. It can be spicy, but it can be. Um, yeah, I think I think that um, people. It's really. It's. I think it's a bit easier to uh, to put on a Christian character when we're at church and be godly. But when you're in home doing the daily slog of being at home, and and someone's taking your chocolate out of the cupboard, it can be really infuriating. And you can sometimes just think, I'm tired. I'm I'm cranky. I'm just going to tell that person what I think of them. And I think that's the point where the writer of the Hebrews is saying, oh, hang on, remember that you follow Jesus and he is the radiance of God. He's the reflection of God's character and he is the light of the world. How are you shining the light of Jesus in your family today? And it might be by just pulling it back uh, a couple of notches and saying, hey, don't do that again. That's my chocolate, but, but not also losing it because... Fights escalate really quickly when one person feels like they have permission to lose it, then another person gets angry, and you know kids can really struggle at home at the moment with with learning at home. I reckon heaps of you teenagers and children are having a really hard time trying to learn at home, and some of you parents are as well. Um, it does take patience, but I think the Holy Spirit can give us patience. It's actually one of the fruits of the Spirit. Actually, patience is one of the fruit of the Spirit. So yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, it's cool because like you're talking about. Um the arrival of Jesus, he started a new era in the last mm-hmm. days, and we can we can focus on that radiance we have, so we can uh, obviously live in that way. Yeah, really cool. I mean, this is a spiritual age. That, like in the old days, when God spoke through the prophets and He spoke in all the different ways He does in the Old Testament, He didn't pour out His Holy Spirit on every believer. But now, because of Jesus, He is so superior that at Pentecost, from the beginning. He pours his Holy Spirit out on everyone who trusts that he died on the cross. So if I pray and I say, God, I am so sorry that I have sinned against you. Please forgive me in the name of Jesus and what do what the Bible says, repent of our sin. We are forgiven and the Holy Spirit is given to us so we might live for 
God instead of living for ourselves. So that, that is a spiritual miracle that takes place in our hearts and it takes a cold, hard human heart that's only selfish all, all the time in my, my case and helps me to grow and become more compassionate and more caring. And, and so, yeah, I'm being supernaturally changed by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah I think that's great. Well, thank you very much you for your yeah. encouraging message today and I hope you guys have been encouraged too. We'll be right back. Thank you very much for tuning in, guys, to Soul Revival Digital on a Saturday. Saturday? Saturday. Saturday. Elton John, Saturday. Um, we are really stoked to have um, these guests on along with us. Thank you very much for your message today, Stu. Yep, nice. um, thank you for joining us, Quinn. I also nice. just need to pull you up just before we finish. Mm. You brought a Windows computer <laughs> onto the set. And uh, yes, we're a little bit disappointed in that. <laughs> do we? Is there any kind of discipline required there, Stu? Because no, it's not an Apple device. I actually like it. Quinn, I think it's terrific. I am not part of the Apple cult. It's a nice, it's a, <laughs> that's obvious. And it's pink. It's a nice, yeah, I was going to say it's a nice colour. Is that rose gold or is it a different type of pink? Oh, it's rose gold. I, I don't mind know, rose gold. It's nice, yeah. nice shade. Okay, mm. it's a very nice shade. Well, guys, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you to you two as well. Um, you can catch us on YouTube, Facebook and on the podcast if you need to listen to it again. But we always like to finish up with a one-way. One